Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. I am Michael Herzog, and I'm a first-time author. My book is titled Yelling at the Stars. And I'm also a fifth grade teacher, which is where the inspiration of the book came from. And I saw a lot of my students that were going through some kind of generational trauma stuff. And I myself have been through some generational trauma. That's where the original idea of the book came from. Started off as a book, an actual a prose book titled To Daddy from Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the title my son came up with. And just kind of morphed from there. I just wanted to tell a story about essentially anger getting passed down from generation to generation and the ability to put a stop to it. And I wanted to be one of those ones, or I want to be one of those ones where I'm the guy that stops it. Saw it a lot in my dad, of course. And I thought too much in my own life. And as my son grows up, he's 12 now, started to see it in his life too much. And boy, there's no better mirror than your own child. That was a difficult realization to come to. And but then I thought, hey, what better opportunity than to spread the message, you know, with your own personal experience? Yeah, that's beautiful. I do agree with you about your children holding up the mirror. And I used to say I wouldn't parent like my mother, of course, when I was young. <laughs> right. And then parented like my mother because that's one, what I knew. And two, what was instinctual. I get now why she parented the way she did. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Like that cycle been diagnosed with depression and anxiety since I was young and that tied into the book a lot too. Explain yeah, so. a synopsis of the book for people who haven't read it. The general idea is that the book starts off with super angry dad. So you kind of start off with him as as one of my students called the bad guy. You know, my intention was to essentially as you go through the book, you start to realize more and more that this isn't a bad guy. This is a guy that's been really hurt and the hurt hasn't been handled well and is now getting passed on his family and, and really obviously negatively affecting them. So it ties into uh, an interesting plot about Stanford nuclear power plant in central Washington and how that tied into the Manhattan Project and World War II. And it's a, a little known piece of history that there's a lot of people over in central Washington called the downwinders that got cancer from the Hanford nuclear plant. And there was even one time where the government released a nuclear byproduct on purpose into the air to see how far it would go. And oh, wow. so there's essentially this place called the death mile where thousands of people got cancer from it. And you know, many people died from it, of course. So when I heard the story, I was like, that's, what the dad is angry about ties into you know being angry at simply being out of control right you there's nothing you can do to change some of these things besides yourself essentially you know you can't change the government without a lot of work and and you can't go back in history and change things people have been telling me for years you know you can't change other people all you can do is work on yourself and that painful truth i think comes through in this book you know, both through realizations through the dad of course and then just kind of the thought process of the son as he battles all the stuff and tries to not become like his dad and tries to maintain relationships with mom and siblings and friends and stuff. Just turned into the perfect backdrop for this 
theme of what I've been calling generational anger or generational trauma. Yeah, that's so great. One, that you're teaching younger people that they can't change the past and, you know, not to be a victim. I really love that. And I love also that they're getting a history lesson without them realizing it. That's awesome. I remember the first time teaching students that Christopher Columbus was not an amazing human being. They're like, (laughs) why do we celebrate him? Well, there's a lot of history coming for you that you're you're gonna might be surprised about. I did not read your book. I'm sorry to say, but I did read a review, and what the review said was that they liked that the kid had thoughts that he didn't say or that were contradictory to what he said. Was that what I read? Yeah, for sure. He'll say one thing to his mom, of course, and then doesn't necessarily mean what he's thinking. But then the next line, you'll actually be able to see what he's thinking. For example, you know, I was talking to my son the other day and he told me one thing and I could tell just by the look in his face that he was thinking the opposite, of course. So there's a part where there, where somebody goes to him, is that cool? He's like, yeah, totally cool. And he's like, nope, not cool. Well, that stuck out to me because one of the things that I've learned not too long ago was that we are mad at people for what they say sometimes or what they do. And sometimes they don't even know why they've done it. I don't know why I do things sometimes. My intent is always good. And also I don't always do good. And so I just really liked that that was one of the things that you're pointing out. I like that you're showing young people that we don't always say what we mean. We don't always act the way we want to act. And also that there's underlying reasons for the instance, the father, like he's just the bad guy at the beginning, but he's not really a bad guy. He's a hurt guy. Yeah, exactly. It takes a long long time for, I think, lots of people to realize that is, you know, anger is a secondary emotion and it comes from a lot of hurt. Yeah. For a chunk of of those people, it's from our childhood. And so, you know, just in my own life and through a lot of research, just realizing how much childhood trauma ties into our adult lives is just mind-blowing and really difficult to overcome for sure. Would you mind telling me about your relationship with your father? No, not at all. So both of my parents had pretty big trauma in their own lives when they were kids. And that's one of those things where you're like, okay, I, I have to hold my parents accountable for the trauma, but you also have to realize that they went through a lot of trauma, right? So my dad was a pretty angry guy. I think it stemmed from him feeling like he wasn't in control. I remember like, you know, trying to go down the stairs in the morning that went by his bedroom. And if you stepped on the wrong board, the creep, you know, you're not pounding on the um. wall. Okay, I should not go downstairs today. <laughs> and then just a lot of that from childhood. He was really busy with work, too. I remember that I put something like this in the book, which was my best times with my dad, which is sitting on the couch watching Mariners games. There's no talking required. Every once in a while, he'd reach over and pat me on the leg, say, love you, bud. I have moments like that, and they're, of course, taken from my own life. When he was 57, he got spinal meningitis and was in the hospital for a long time, and everybody thought he was in bad. Doctors said he shouldn't have survived, but he did. And he lasted three more years, then had a heart attack and passed away. But those three years were much different than the first 57, because when you have a near-death experience or realize that you're about to lose everything, kind of like the father of the story as well, you know, it's a big wake-up call, of course. So we had an amazing three years during that time. And luckily, I can't remember a lot from childhood, although as far as trauma goes, I might have to deal with that. But I have so many good memories with him. Uh, he was a travel agent, so he like, took me on a cruise to like, Alaska for two weeks. We just spent so much time together. Nice. Um, so lots of great memories. As I a remember, kid or in later years? 
I guess both, but the one that was right before I got married. So I was like 26 or something. He was 50 something. And it was just the two of us. So that was pretty special for me just to get to spend that time with him. I remember when towards the end of his life, my brother kind of brought up some trauma from our childhood. And I just, my dad just broke down into tears and was so humbled and apologetic. And mm. you know, the dad that we never got to see when we were kids. So that kind of stuff is tremendously healing. You know, obviously I wish he were here more to help me process the rest of it. But yeah, so I have great memories of my dad, you know, mixed in with difficult ones, of course, and how many of us do. One of the things I learned from later in life is if you make a mistake, just own up to it immediately, even before the other person has the opportunity to, to be angry. I do this with my students a lot. You know, maybe I'll get short with the student because I had to remind them of something like 12 times. <laughs> even after that, it's a learning opportunity. And it's like humble myself and uh, the tremendously powerful message to a kid for you know, not only an adult, but a person in leadership to humble themselves and say, you know, that was, that was my fault. I'm really sorry. Didn't, you know, didn't mean for your feelings. And, uh, you know, even I'm still working on myself. So even That's though really I'm great. far from perfect, of course, as we all are, I, I love being able to send that message and especially in honor of my dad. Being in advertising for 30 years, I learned that lesson early on from a boss who said, like, we'd find an error in their newspaper ad and we had to call them and tell them we found the error. And we're just, you know, as young people, we're like, well, maybe they won't notice. <laughs> but we had to tell on ourselves. And that was a great lesson to get as a young person, because now I'm always acknowledging what I did wrong right away or what errors there yeah. were and then take action or apologize, whatever's necessary. So that was a great lesson to get as a 20 something. Um, better to get ahead of it, right? Yeah, I was for sure. Saying when I was younger that, you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness and permission, right? But then I learn as I get older, no, it's Probably a good idea just to bring it up before everyone else. It really is. Yeah, really good lesson. When I was younger, I was sexually abused by a boy that was allowed to come over to the house. Mm -hmm. And my mother, as I saw it, did nothing about it. She died when I was 18. And that left a lifetime of anger towards her for not taking care of me. Not, I had a feeling of no self-worth because I told her what happened that night and nothing was done. Or so it seems. As a woman now with this many years past, I don't know what she did, actually. Maybe she did try to do something, but there was a, it was a chaotic household and everything. But anyway, the point is, I'm so glad you got time with your father to discuss the things or not even discuss, but to be with him in a way that, you know, life isn't always going to be there. Right. And I really wish that we lived every day like that because we could be dead tomorrow. Like, why can't we learn from other people's mistakes as easily as we learn from our own? Having two daughters, I wish they could learn from my mistakes. I'm sure my mother wished I could have learned from her mistakes. Yeah, I really do think that would be great, but that's not just how it is. And somebody made me realize recently that we do all need to have our own journeys and that you can't bestow knowledge on somebody until they're ready to hear it, until it's their time. A good lesson to learn also. Yeah, we're on a kind of a special connection here today. The anniversary of your mom's passing today, I read on Facebook, and the anniversary of my dad's passing tomorrow. Mentality of, of reflection and, yeah, realizing that your mother was, was it 37 years ago, you said? 37 years ago, she was 46. I'm assuming it maybe got a little bit easier over the years, but it just doesn't go away, you know, especially these nice round numbers like 10, which it is for my dad. It's like, yeah, gut wrenching, it's like double digits. It doesn't go away. And I'm, um, at this age, thankful for that. 
you dance with grief and I really like the dance. I like missing my mother and wanting her. What I don't have is suffering anymore. Okay, I'm working on that. How many children do you have? I have two. I have Lily, she's 10 now, and Gideon is 12. What are you doing differently than your dad? Wow, that's a great question. (laughs) Trying to humble myself earlier, and I'll be honest, it's, it's been brutal. You know how things seem to be a lot easier with strangers than they are with like the ones that are close to you? Quite honestly, uh, you know, I've been really good with it at work. I've been pretty good at it with my kids and I haven't been good at it with my wife. Haven't you know, been good at what? At humbling myself quickly. Mm-hmm. And my dad was the same way. I feel like he treated everybody probably better than my mom. And then people at the church and in his life that his job just knew him as you know, the best guy in the world. And it's kind of similar with me. Not that I think I'm the best guy in the world, but I'm pretty personable out there, you know, when you put the, the mask on and whatnot. And then as it gets closer to people who love the most, you know, it's the most difficult. You know, my wife and I had, had quite a few disagreements over the last few years over politics and faith and whatnot. And it's just taken me way too long to let some of that stuff go and humble myself. Honestly, it's probably even within the last month where there's a greater realization of, you know, probably as my dad's anniversary of death came along, greater realization of like how much time I've been wasting and how much stuff there is to get done to heal relationships. The thing I've taken from him the most probably is his humor. We both really use humor a lot to deal with those emotions or use it, I don't know, maybe say deal with or cover over, I don't know, handle them, I don't know. I mean, I learned a lot of good things from local leaders too. It's scary when you see that part pop out of you that you were scared of when you were a kid, you know, like raising the voice or just the short views and stuff like that. But yeah, the one thing, you know, it drives my wife nuts, you know, when I have my short views, but the one thing that I've learned from my dad in the years and as a teacher is I feel that wrench in my gut within like seconds. And then like my goal, especially with my kids is within minutes to fix that mm-hmm. and feel that. And then, as a teacher, take that learning opportunity, you know, especially for my son and be like, oh, this is what daddy did wrong. And this is what I'm going to get better at. And I'm going to humble myself right here in front of you, my 12 year old kid. And um, these are things that we can work on together so that, you know, he doesn't end up in the same place that I do. Yeah. I so appreciate you sharing that with me. My favorite thing about humans is when they're vulnerable. So I just appreciate you really sharing that and being yeah. um, open. I'm not suggesting it, but I'm questioning it. Do you seek counseling? Are you guys working with somebody to help you through these things? Yeah, I go to a counselor regularly. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mental health wise, I've pretty much tried everything. I got diagnosed with depression when I was in high school. And I've tried, tried pretty much everything since then. Counseling I've been going to, we tried to, to go see a marital counselor relatively recently. And we met with her individually and then once as a couple. And then the next time we came back as a couple, she was like, I'm sorry, I can't see you guys. How I was come? like, why? Your goals are too far apart. She's like, that's why we're here. Oh, my goodness. Don't let that person define whether you get help together. <laughs> exactly. All you can do is keep trying. You know, I've tried to battle my anxiety and depression for decades now. You know, lately, I've tried listen to music for half an hour with these crazy visuals on the screen and oh wow 
yourself. And then one of them, they shoot like magnets into your head. And actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I realized, you know what the best route to be or would be probably to mental health is to get healthier, like physically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I stopped yeah. eating sugar like a few weeks ago and, and oh, I actually stopped completely watching the news <laughs> a few weeks ago. I was just getting so frustrated and angry and I realized that it was just affecting every single thing in my life. You know, I have to be informed. I need to know this stuff, you know. Right. Eventually I texted a friend. I was like, is it more important to be knowledgeable <laughs> or happy? Happy stuff. Right. Right. My husband will tell me things and I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that. If it's really important, my Facebook feed tells me. I was at work the other day and somebody said something. I was like, there was an earthquake. They were like, you're joking, right? It's like, no, we're not. Right. I love that. That makes me really happy. And I think you'll be better soon enough. This is going to be helpful. Yeah, taking the sugar out of the body and taking the propaganda and whatnot out of the head. I just watched a show last night that had ghosts. It was a comedy. And so I mm-hmm. thought it would be okay. But yeah. I woke up in the middle of the night with a ghost whispering hello, very scarily. <laughs> and so... It was terrible. I woke up very unhappy about that. But the thing is, this stuff does get in your head and in your psyche. You can't help it. It does get in, even though, you know, we can keep it at arm's length. It does get in. I don't like to watch dramas at all. I mostly just watch game shows and funny stuff. Yeah. And people are like, well, why? There's so many good shows out there. Like, there's enough drama in my own head right now (laughs) and in my own life. Yeah. Why would I need someone else's? Well, Um, I so appreciate that you're bringing the idea, actually, even of mental health in the books to kids. That's really great. We have this idea that as kids, we shouldn't be talking about these things, that it should be all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. I don't agree with that because where do we learn the skills? I'm glad that my children, at least, are starting earlier and get it earlier. So thank you for doing that important work. Yeah, I work in an area that has been pretty high achieving like Microsoft, Amazon families. And I, every year for the last few years, I've had girls in tears because they didn't get hundred percent on a test. There was even one that in tears because she got a hundred percent. She could have gotten 105%. Because there was uh-huh. no credit. What is this life that you're living where perfection isn't even good enough? You know, my daughter was yeah. upset. She was a straight A student her whole life. And she was upset once because she got an A minus, not an A. And I remember thinking, man, I, I'm still happy with C's past middle ground. I like being mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like even the students that struggle severely and the students that are successfully, you know, to S degree, full feel with self-esteem issues and feeling of love. And oh, yeah. Just across the gamut, you know, like you'll never, you never know just because you see a kid and and that their persona they put off, just getting to know them for 180 days, you know, it's really special and it's really emotional. Yeah. Super invested. What would you say to somebody who wants to write a book but hasn't? Well, I think that's the same thing as a lot of other things in life. It's just start. There's a few years ago, I wanted to ride the Seattle to Portland, and I was like, there's no way I can ride 206 miles. But my buddy was like, well, let's start with 10 miles today. And I was like, okay. You know, and then the week before, it was like 97 miles over in Port Angeles, swim or whatever. And then before I knew it, I was down in Portland. And uh, it really is just about starting. You know, I even started with a different book, and then it transitioned over to this one, and then just piece itself together. 
it was the sugar thing with me. It's like that first day was the only really difficult day. After this, I'm going to be thinking about that all day about like, okay, there's other stuff I need to start now too. There's many things that I'm like, when I get to it, but if I just start it, it would happen. <laughs> so no, thank you for that. From what I see, you have a million things going on. So <laughs> I've never seen like anybody do so many parts, especially in the play of your life, like, you know, the photography, the writing, publishing, advertising. That's just what I see you. I'm like, how does she do all of that? <laughs> I don't feel overwhelmed at all because those are things that I love. And that yeah. I feel like I'm called to do. And so I don't feel overwhelmed at all. So, Well, just as a shout out to you too, my first career was a photographer and your photography is beautiful. So, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I had a dark yeah. room in high school. It's always been my love. Yeah. Yeah. I had one of those in college. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate it. And I just appreciate you being open and honest and vulnerable. And what you're bringing out into the world is important. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited for where this is going and to get the next book done and especially to get this to all the kids out there. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.